very special um, sort of episode today. I've actually never done this before. I've got two guests um, that we're going to chat to. Very cool people, very interesting, insightful. They are out there on social media and doing some really cool stuff, putting out really good uh, content and insights. And yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to be chatting to you guys. It's like a Sunday. I know it's like busy and stuff. But thank you for making it Lerakdo and we'll see you. <laughs> <laughs> she, she literally like told me offline to say it out in full. She yes. Didn't and then she did. And then you can yeah. say Busi. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, because then my mom would believe me. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Let's get right into it. But before that, um, I think just for my listeners, it would be cool if you guys could sort of like, you know, do a little like intro. A bit about your background, tell us what spaces you guys play in, and then we can like jump into it. Are we starting with me? Um, yeah, you can go first. yikes. Okay, yes. so, um, Busi, one person Sa- at a time. Sorry, okay, not a like problem. Two there. Yeah, right? Okay, and I'll take I'll, t- I'll take it. I'll take <laughs> the pregnancy card. I told you, I told you. <laughs> So I'm Busi. Um, I've been in the industry for like six years now. I started out at Show Love with that other guy we won't mention. And then I progressed to Deloitte and then later into influencer marketing for um, an international company. And then I brought it back to the country at Flow Communications and then Clockwork. And then now I'm in, I'm at Kaitoma Creatives and we predominantly do B2B. And then I manage influencers as a side hustle. Um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like everything around influencers is like a side hustle. But we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a creative. Everything we do outside our work is a side hustle. This is true. Awesome. Nerato, mm. welcome back, actually. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say, do I need to redo my intro? Well, yeah, sort of. I mean, <laughs> I can't be directing people to our first the podcast. The first. Yeah. Okay. So I'm Nerato. Um, I am actually a qualified graphic designer. Dropped that in 2012 and moved into social media. Um, worked for Plum Factory. Moved from Plum, went to Quirk, which then became Murram. And now I am at Salsi. Um, doing social media. Um, so I'm a social media manager at Salsi. And then I run a business called Motherland Connect, which basically brings international students to South Africa to kind of experience the country. And yeah, that's pretty much my background. Cool. Yeah. No, we've got some amazing people in here. I feel like, you know, I'm not really ready for this, but we're here. And look, the topic, or should I say most of like the conversation really uh, is around influencer marketing. I think there's a lot of controversy around that topic. There's a lot of controversy around influencers just in general. And I'm not sure if if it's if it's something that's only happening here in SA, or also overseas, because the guys overseas are really like killing it, and content quality, like everything, is like on different levels, and we can only mm-hmm. learn from them. But coming down to the team, coming down to um, SA, I really want us to sort of dissect this huge industry. Um, some people think it's dying out. Some people think it's still about to boom. And the conversation is really just going to be around that. Um, but before we get started, I would sort of want us to sort of define what 
an influencer is in your guys sort of like light i think for me an influencer is somebody who's influential um if you can drive consideration that makes you an influencer um you having pretty pictures and a number of followers that are a bit larger than everybody else does not necessarily make you an influencer you know and i think a lot of people then miss that or um don't understand that difference. Um, I mean, I get a lot of people saying, look at my numbers, they're so high. Surely I'm an influencer. No, you're not. Mm. I don't even know about you. Mm. I think also just to add on to it from the, a conversion point of view, I think influencers can definitely um, do conversions for brands. So your RRI is not only just how high your numbers are, it's how many sales can I get from you as a person because ultimately an influencer is a billboard. You are an, an, an additional marketing tool to the brand. Um, a lot of people seem to think that the high numbers is all it is. And then you start asking them about things like their engagement rate and they have no idea what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So the industry is, yeah, it's, it's a little bit kind of like free flow right now because of that. I think one of, one of the things also um, that, that's really uh, about talkability is that Brands or people are really questioning, like, what is the return on investment in using influencers mm. for marketing campaigns or for brand placement and stuff like that? How do brands actually quantify that? Because I've been in some campaigns where um, they've sent me a brief. Mm -hmm. I basically did the brief, posted, got paid, and they're happy. Like, they didn't come back after a day or two and say, hey, we actually want the analytics or the stats. And... It's kind of confusing because you're like, okay, cool. How do you? How would you guys know if I performed well? Yes, you can see the likes, but um, do you not want to know the insights behind that? You know, so how how do we quantify ROI, um, especially from a brand perspective? I mean, you guys are in the space, so you know what brands are looking for and what they pull out of using influencers. I think. For me personally, I, I always insist on a, a post-campaign report. I need to see how you performed because I, I don't necessarily like the once-off type of campaigns. I like relationship building, especially if I'm going to introduce you to my audience and then I'm saying you're part of my marketing tool. Um, one campaign is not going to justify you meeting them at various touch points. You mm. know, the first yeah. campaign is the introduction. And then later on, with every campaign that we're doing to meet our objectives, I have to bring you along. If It's the same if we say we're going to launch WhatsApp for business. I'm not going to use it once off. So uh, for me, I need to see um, your audience because I'm, I'm tapping into your audience through you. You know, it's never about that I like Joe and this is what Joe likes. Mm. What? How can you segment your audience for me and where can I fit into that audience and how do I fit you into all my other channels in terms of um, from social media to uh, influencer marketing to billboard to radio to TV mm. and you know activations for instance because again people still think that influencer marketing is activations it's not mm. so that's for me that's the biggest thing um, how can you show me value in terms of your audience do you know who's in that audience do you know when they are actually online how do they engage with your content um, what what sentiment is there around your brand um, how, how, how likely are you to actually get them to engage and then convert them to actually go to the website? Because for me, if you can just get them to the website, I don't need you anymore. Your, do your job is done. Mm -hmm. She made some very, very like key points. Um, I think also just people don't, how do I say this nicely? 
Um, don't say nice. Don't say nice. I'm trying to be nice, guys. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. Okay. I think, I think we need to stop being nice because everybody is being nice, and and then we get it's weird causing... emails of people thinking they're influencers when they're not. Besides that, like I, I, I feel like sugarcoating things actually blows out the, you know, like the center point of yeah. what you're trying to get across. Okay. So, <laughs> from a influencer point of view. Um, I'm very difficult. I'm not going to lie. I'm a very difficult influencer. And I'm difficult because I don't want to just put things out for the sake of putting things out. I want to put things out that I know that in a year from now when I look back, I'm going to say, okay, this had an impact on me personally, Mm. right? So that's point number one is I don't just do things with brands for the sake of doing brands. We've done that. It got boring. You don't know what space you're in anymore. You don't know which brand you're aligned with. That becomes a problem. So that would be my first thing is make sure that you know who you are, mm. right? The second thing is, a lot of brand managers don't want to listen. Yeah. You are not going to tell me about my audience. That yeah. is my audience. Yeah. I know them better than you think you know them. So yes, the numbers are there. But I can tell you how to navigate through those numbers without you coming at me and saying, I want you to post content like this. And I've got a very big issue with that because they don't listen. Mm. Yep. Because they're the brand manager, they know. So one of my favorite campaigns that I've worked on actually worked because I say to the brand, I can't put this up because this is not me. I I can't. I want to work with you guys, but you need to meet me halfway. So we can do one post like this, but then can we do a post that is for me? And it's so crazy because when we did the post my way, it got high engagement. Mm -hmm. Brand managers don't want to listen, Mm -hmm. but it's also a case of, influencers aren't 100% certain of how to navigate their own spaces. Um, and I think you can be a, you can do multiple things, but they, there needs to be a core of what you're trying to do. So it's not just about, okay, I'm putting out content about this drink today, food tomorrow. What is that? What is your, what is your core? So when you segment yourself, what bracket do you fall into? So your USP. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so, so just kind of going back um, before speaking about how, how to segment your content, what if I'm an upcoming influencer and a brand notices me and they want to use me for mm-hmm. their campaign? But now because of where I am in sort of my, my scale, I really want to get this gig because first of all, it's a paying gig, right? Even though it doesn't really align with my brand or I don't have a say in how the campaign works out. How do I sort of navigate that to still sort of ex- execute content in a way that would still work and not really be far away from who I am? I wouldn't advise anyone I manage to take a gig just for the sake, just of, for the sake of it. If the one thing I People advocate, I know, and, and, and then later when they're a bit, a bit bigger, then you can't really read them because then they they did that one campaign and you're like, okay, what was the point of that? And it shows that you actually took it for the sake of taking it. Um, I think if you are up and coming, then create your own internal campaigns. The thing about it is that you have to put in money. Mm. You really have to invest in it and it means having the right collateral and also having campaigns that show who you are to get the attention of people you're trying to work with in the spaces that you want to be in. You know, it, it does not serve you. Yes, it's paying, but 
are you going to now not have it on your your raid card and then delete all of those posts after when you're bigger? I think it's an integrity thing. It is. It is definitely an integrity thing. I think you need to know what the purpose is behind what you're doing. And yes, it's great that it's money. And I know a lot of people is just like, oh, yeah, at least you're an infant, so you're getting paid. Yeah. Some of us don't do things just because we're getting paid. Mm-hmm. We do things because we genuinely like the brand. Um, and that shows people, a lot of people think it doesn't show. It shows. I can tell when you don't like this brand yeah. and when you're actually just trying <laughs> yeah. to sell me a product. The execution is so sloppy yes, and lazy. sloppy. But also a lot of, and it's, and I'm actually going to say it now, a lot of celebrities accept gigs that don't align with who they are. Yeah. And we can see it. Yeah. And it's bullshit. And we, we like, tired. Just stop. Just stop it. Because we get very frustrated when you're trying to sell us something that we, I would never buy. Like, for example, if you're selling coffee and you never, ever have ever, ever posted anything about coffee, mm. I'm not stupid. Your audience is not, yeah. they're not stupid. Yeah. They know exactly what you're about mm. and they know why they follow you. So if you are going to try and just do anything, it comes off as very fake. One, that breaks your reliability. Mm. Number two, and broken reliability actually impacts your costs and it impacts how many brands will want to work with you. Because once you've broken that chain, it means that there's no real value mm. that anybody's going to get out of you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It I, also comes back to your audience. I mean, yeah. if your sentiment is affected, how people feel about you, I, as brands, we, we work with you because of your audience. You have to always take it back to your audience. I don't care how pretty you are. I don't care how amazing you are. If your audience does not respond to you in a manner that I need to meet my objectives, mm. I'm not going to work with you. What are what are some of the red flags when, I mean, you guys work behind some really cool brands and you interact and you work with influencers. What are the red flags when looking for an influencer? What makes you say, look, we've looked at this person's profile, but uh, this one, two, three, no, it's not going to work. With me, number one is numbers. Okay. Guys, I can check if your numbers are fake. Mm. Yeah, I can check. <laughs> like, you just put a hand, you should, you I put, put your handle somewhere. And we check. Like, <laughs> so it's that. Are you guys listening? And it's that. Number two is high numbers, low cost is a red flag for me because it tells me that you're not 100% certain of who you are and you're mm-hmm. not certain of what your audience will respond to. Mm. And number three would probably be, uh, would probably be um, let me think. High numbers, low engagement. Yes, low engagement. Mm. And the low engagement thing comes up quite a lot yeah. because for me, it's a big deal. It like is. your engagement rate, if I check your Instagram and you're sitting on, and I'm actually going to, because this is, I actually posted a thread about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I checked an influencer. She's very well known. She was sitting on 400,000 followers on Instagram at that point in time. Her engagement rate was 0.8%. <laughs> wow. For someone with that high of an audience, your engagement rate should have been at least a 2.5. Yeah. At least, right? So when I saw that, I was like, hmm, that's a little bit off. Let yeah. me do a check of fake followers. Mm-hmm. Not about eight, 70 or 80% of her followers were fake. Mm-hmm. Right? This is now someone that's verified. Yeah. Whoa. So there are ways to jipper the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and... For people who don't necessarily know, and this is why I say brand managers also play in a very dangerous space, they don't really get to the nitty gritty of finding out about this influencer. They don't really know. Um, mm. And also, there's there's, a, there's always a situation where a, a brand manager will say, okay, we're just going to send you a brief. Have a sit down with that influencer. Mm. Actually get to know them 
and then see if they are the right fit. And it doesn't have to be something serious. Make it like, we're just going to come, th- just come through, sit down, let's have a chat, let's see if this is aligned or not. Pussy, do you think that um, because of high numbers, low engagement, brands have sort of started looking at micro-influencers and nano-influencers because they, for some odd reason, really look like they're putting in the work and grafting and mining um, their audiences and really building like really cool communities. I think uh, my micro-influencers and nano-influencers, by virtue of who they are, um, their audience is always going to respond because they're not sitting on a pedestal saying, I'm an influencer. I mean, you have a lot of those who say they want to tap into the space and they have way too many conversations about wanting to be an influencer, which I'm very tired of. It's really irritating. You know, um, if you are doing what you need to do, the right people will gravitate towards you. Regardless. Know, regardless. Whether you, you identify as one or not. Um, but we also gravitate towards them because we feel like they're on the ground. Um, if you look at our influencers, they're not accessible anymore, which is a problem. So I'm not going to use somebody who's not accessible to sell, sell beauty because... The audience does not feel comfortable enough to, to discuss their to, to discuss their skin problems, to actually open up to this influencer to a point where we can come up with a solution. Um, you know, the influencers need to feed us feed us insights we can put back into our strategy. But at the end of the day, it also goes back to the product. If I don't understand how black women's skin is actually like and my influence is not getting me those insights, how do I take it back to the lab and say we need to look at one, two, three, four, five? You know, everybody's just looking at what's on the surface, which is why brand managers, again, are people who are old or people who are, who are not really in tune with digital and they don't know how to look and navigate through their audience. So you have people who are just trying to meet the objective. Client wants to see 100 likes and that's all they care about. They don't dig deeper. And our brand managers are fans. Unfortunately, they are fans. They want and trying to be celebrities. They're trying themselves. to be celebrities themselves. They want to yeah. tag along to events and take nice pictures with influencers and be cool and be you know have more followers. You need to look after your brand, and it goes back to objectives. Mm-hmm. Can I just say something on the micro influencers thing that I think a lot of people are not paying attention to, guys? Micro influencers is what was known back in our parents' day as word of mouth. Yeah. It is the most powerful form of advertising Mm. ever. You cannot beat word of mouth, Mm. period. Mm. Right? So the reason why a lot of brands are trying to go towards your micro-influences is because they feel more real. Mm. And this is one thing that Busi touched on now with influences being on a pedestal. Right? You cannot be so detached from your audience that they there's no emotional response. There has to be some form of an emotional mm-hmm. response. And you can tell when something is an er- emotional response by conversations. Mm-hmm. So I'm an influencer. I work better with words. I'm, that's why my Twitter is always so active, because I'm a word influencer. I can do the visual. I don't enjoy it as much as I do words. Right? People don't know that you can be strong in one and not strong in the mm-hmm. other. But even if you're strong in one, does it translate on the other platform? Yeah. Micro-influencers are very good at being themselves and maintaining themselves. So when you meet them, it's not like a, oh my God, that person has a different personality. Yeah. And people don't realize that. Yeah. I, I, when I meet you, if you, and this is why I always find it weird when people are like, I'm not the same on Twitter as I am in person. It's like, okay, so then who are you? That's not a real thing. Mm. Who are you then? Mm-mm. Because what, what version of yourself are you putting out? And it's okay to have multiple versions of yourself. But 
there has to be some form of connectivity and, and relatability mm. to what you're putting out. Yeah. And, and another thing, social media is a virtual reality. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of, a lot of um, like, tweets and people say, it's just Twitter. It's not real. But no, that does not make sense. It's, a, it's an open platform where you can have conversations. How I understand you to be on that platform is who you are outside of that you know it's not something where you acting and you have a script those are your actual real opinions those are your emotions those are your thoughts that's, that's your level of intellect that those are your preferences it's real it's not some virtual reality no and this is this is why people when they go for job interviews are suddenly caught off guard because now you've said something and now you need to justify it and you can't sit there and say to it's these people twitter. it's just twitter no that's not how they think they brands search your profiles because they want to really know mm. who you are when you think you're not being watched yes because that is when you're going to really get to know a person mm. so don't just say things for the sake of saying things. Say things because there's intention behind it, because you want people to actually know who you are. And that's why we've got such an issue with this Facebook, Twitter mess yeah. that's unfolding. Because there are a lot of dangerous opinions going out that are not informed, that are just there to troll. And unfortunately, those people don't see that in a year, not even in a year, a year is even long. Like two months from now when you're job hunting, they're going to start there. Yeah. And it comes they start up. there. Do you, do you guys think the quality of content matters um, based um, or do you, do you guys think that um, if it resonates, it actually does well? Because I, I could be an influencer with really high numbers, right? Mm. Uh, but I post really like low-res videos or sloppy stuff, but my, my audience engages with that. Mm. Do you guys think quality of content matters if you want to be an influencer? Or is it something that is based on your audience? It's based on audience and based on the brand. Because a brand might want to reuse your images elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Your audience may not care. My most, my best performing pieces are things where I have not spent 6,000 rand to go and do a yeah. photo. Mm -hmm. That's just the reality of it. My audience also doesn't engage on, they don't engage on a lot of my visual stuff because I'm not a visual person and they understand that. So it's a bit of both for me. Mm. I think for me, when you see the problem is when my understanding of content, it, it goes beyond the pictures and the caption. Yes. You know, um, what is the objective of the content? Is it an incentive post? Is it brand awareness? Is it a product post? Are we evoking emotion? Are we starting a conversation? Are we bringing about change? Are we are you driving traffic somewhere else? What are you doing with the content? That for me matters. So a lot of people will then say, you know, there's this whole buzz around Lightroom. I'm tired of seeing orange pictures. Yo, bruh. I oh am so <laughs> fucking tired of seeing orange pictures. Yes, and then guys. and then and then your caption and then it's monotone. Then the <laughs> whole Instagram account is monotone. There's no life. There's and nothing. People are getting into that. Like it's starting to be a trend. Because yes. it's, it's it's a copy and paste of what you think works, and it does now. It does not set you apart from everybody else. So so here's an interesting insight, right? Um, our current generation of influencers wants to portray this pretty celeb style type mm. content. Mm. The next generation of influencers is actually moving away from that. Yeah. They're doing more real, your low quality, yeah. more yes. real. They open up. Yes. 
Because why? They're tired of the fakeness. Yeah. They're tired of believing perception. They want mm. real. They want nitty gritty. They mm. want honest and raw. Not this. You're always perfect. Mm. You you always because guys, the reality is no one's ever no always one perfect. No one is ever perfect. Like, I mean, if you look at what they're doing in the states, there's this one influencer. I follow her on YouTube. She literally walked me through her entire life. And she could afford a house at the time, but she didn't. She got a low cost a low cost apartment and made it work and showed me what I could do with it. And then she got something bigger and bigger and bigger. And then she got a house. Same with her struggle with mental illness. She opened up about that just because this picture was great. On that day that I posted this amazing picture, this I, was I was so through. sad. And that works. For me, I need to. I, you need to be relatable. I need to see myself in you for you to influence me. If you are so detached from my world and my space, how could you possibly encourage me to buy a car? And this comes and back to emotional, mm. that emotive response. Yes. And it's so weird because it's a conversation I was having with a friend where I said, look, man, like we really need to be cognizant and conscious of the things that we sort of like admire because that perfect picture, like you don't know, it probably took 20 takes, Yeah. right? Before it was posted there. And now you're looking at this thing and you're like, wow, this is so perfect. Like I wish... My life could be that. And this is why I don't post your pretty fight pictures. Mm. I do not. I If I do it, it's a brand and you will know immediately that it's a brand campaign. Mm. But when it's me, you can tell that, okay, she just took this. But it's intentional. It's intentional because my audience does not respond to pretty perfect pictures. Mm. They don't. Why? Because they know me. They know me. I'm full of shit. They know that I'm very vocal. <laughs> they know that I'm like driving down this road today and I somebody irritated me and I'm going to go on a rant about mm. it. They, your audience knows mm. you, right? So the moment I start portraying something that's not me, they distance themselves from that. And this is, this is now one of the objectives or one of the key things that I've learned with the campaign that I'm currently working on now is it, it's not relatable because it's not me. Mm. Because brands feel like they have to give you the whole, the whole caption mm. and you have to write it in your... No, let, let me do it. You just, you, you've given me, you want the post. There's a reason why you came Yes, you, yeah. you, you, you know you want the post, you want at least 400 likes. Okay, shut up. Can I do it my way? Mm. Let me do it my way. Because I, and I, I actually had like a full-on argument with the brand manager. I said to her, my audience does not respond to Instagram posts for this kind of content. If you want a response, let me do a video. Let me do an Instagram story. Mm. They didn't want to listen. So what I did is I, t- I did the post on my wall, on my actual feed, and then I did the Instagram story. Mm. And I sent them the stats of the difference between the two. The story performed higher than the posted. Mm. Mm. Speaking of doing things our way, <clears throat> one thing that especially um, I think we're all struggling with, I don't care if you are a big-ass influencer, if you're a nano, if you're a micro, pricing. <laughs> there is so much processes that go I mean I was having a chat with a friend and I was like dude Instagram costs money to run like yeah I like I want people to actually like be able to open up and say guys my Instagram a month costs me x amount right there's traveling there's food there's props there's yeah. a photographer you know so considering all of those things how do we price ourselves as influencers and what are sort of like the processes that we sort of need to go through in, or you guys go through in terms of creating your content and how do you sort of quantify that in terms of value do you want to take this one because yeah. this is this is a 
this is gonna upset a lot of people um, let's do it it's gonna upset a lot of it's people because of the, the, the perfectionism that comes mm. with what you put on your feed right mm. so i don't spend an excessive amount of money on my instagram Mm-mm. why because i don't feel the need to go and hire out props and hire mm. out a photographer and 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 Unless I know that I'm going to use those photos three, four years from now. Yeah. Does not depend on if, like, the campaign or the brand is paying. It depends on whether the brand is paying, but it also depends on you as a person. Mm. Right. I've only done one brand campaign where they had a photographer. The rest of it has always been me. Why? Because I've got the skill set. I, I yeah. don't really need a photographer. I, you're just the nice to have. Right? That's mm. number one. Number two is... I don't want my photos to feel unfamiliar or unreal, right? Mm. So I'm not going to spend 10,000 rand putting together a post mm-hmm. and then I'm going to go and char- try and charge a brand 25,000 because brands are going to be like, no, this is an exorbitant amount. It but is. it's actually not. It's not. When you take into consideration the cost of how, many, how much you've paid for the props, the photographer, and all of that stuff, mm. brands don't care about that. They just want to know that they see the 25K and they're like, for one post, no. I think for me, don't 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 tell me what you had to do for the image. Yes. Tell me the value I'm getting from your audience. Again, take it back to your audience. How many people actually visit your profile? And of those people who actually visit your profile, how does that quantify or match up with the number of followers? And then the people who follow who who visit your profile on a monthly basis, how many of them actually followed you because it means they liked what they see? And then break it down. How many of them actually en- engage with your content? And what type of quality engagement or queries are you getting? Mm. Are we getting yes, girl, or where do I find that? Please send me a link. Where can I, who can I speak to for more information about one, two, three, four, five? If you're going to tell me that you're getting engagement and I go through it and I'm seeing yes, girl, it does not serve that's my not objectives. It's, it's not, not engagement. Because it doesn't give me insight. Yeah. There's no insight they, in that. Yes, girl. Okay, cool. Great. Okay, sharp. And then what? But get, it might as well just be a like yeah it really might as well be because i need i need insights into your audience that i can feed back into my strategy that's the whole point of using the influencer here's the here's the very tricky part and i'm really enjoying the conversation because we're really starting to like dive in deep i could comment yes girl but i could follow the tag on that instagram post or on that twitter post unfortunately that's insight that you guys cannot gather but it's there. Mm. So how do we quantify, like, how do we, how do we put a price tag or a value sort of indication on our engagement? Because okay. I think my question is, right, and I've asked this, but I, I feel like we've diverted a bit because we're speaking more from a brand side. Okay. Yeah. From a content creator, how do I look at my stats my likes and my followers and say this is how much i should be charging a brand for x y and z do you want to take that (sighs) the problem with it is that there is unlike you know there's no such thing as an industry rate so with with that for for instance if let's take my page for it for example what i look at is um if for example a social media company that does a measurement tool comes to me and says start talking about this tool and promote it and tell people how amazing it is for me i would quantify it based on how many people actually ask for the tool and um how many people actually clicked on the link that i posted and then i would charge them the extras because a lot of people gravitate to my profile not because of that one specific 
brand or product that I'm posting about. There's other things that I do on the side that actually then pull people. And then by virtue of that, they will see the post. Mm. And then I'll charge them like four grand a, a tweet because then I can, I can also back it up. Mm. You know, I can also back it up. And also you have to look at your other assets. A lot of people are, are so focused on one asset, which is a post. Um, do you have a podcast? Do you have a YouTube channel? Do you have a blog mm. somewhere? Because then you need to give me so many assets that I can leverage off. You giving me one post is not enough because I have the brand has a social media page, mm. you know. I, but again, some of your audience then is in my audience as well, you know. Even given the current state of influencer marketing in this country, do I really need you? So give me your assets and show me that if I'm paying 4K for a post, it's really not just for a post. It's the fact that Lagato is going to see it and we're going to engage on that. Mm. Now you paying for me knowing Lagato. So it's yes. So it's not only it's about it's about really my numbers, but it's also about who follows me and who, yes. sees and my who engages on mm. your content. Yes, that who engages on your content is actually very important. Because so, have I have sorry have I tailored my audience in such a manner that I can give you what you need? Because yes, you have a, you have a following, but in that audience, do we have people that you need quality followers, or do I just have followers and they ask me questions because they like asking questions? Mm. Wow. She's touched on it all. Yeah. I think just another, the, one of the things that she did touch on, I don't think she elaborated quite on it. Is what was that? The industry standard. Because there's no industry, there's no influencer <laughs> standard set in South Africa. There Bullshit. isn't. There isn't one. And that is one of the biggest issues that mm. we're, we're dealing with right now. So that is why so many different people may have kind of the same numbers yeah. and same engagement rate, but charge different differently. Rates. But then do you not, do you think that if there was an industry rate, we would actually abide by it? There needs to be one. I personally don't think I would. You wouldn't, but there needs to be one because in order for us, for the industry to grow in the way that it needs to grow, mm. there has to be some form of regulation and okay. some, form of, yeah. some form of control of what happens. So, for example, mm. if you are putting a news, uh, an ad in a newspaper, they are... Uh, uh, there's an industry guideline yes. on what a magazine or a newspaper can charge you for that, mm. right? So they've already got an industry set standard. The problem with social media is that it's a new medium and there's no actual regulation around it. Mm. So that is why something as basic as putting ad on your post is such a big thing yeah. because people come from, I can do whatever I want, however I want, mm. and now you're trying to actually regulate it. And there needs to be some form of regulation because it influences a whole bunch of other things. For example, do you know that there are influencers that get paid that don't pay that don't pay tax? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you're yeah. supposed to. Yeah. 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 The business that is paying you is supposed to contribute to your. Ta- you're, you're supposed to go through that process. People don't go through that process, right? So, people don't understand the greater impact of non-regulation. Mm. They don't understand it. So. In six years from now, text man's going to come and knock on your door and say, you didn't pay for X, Y, and Z, yeah. but mm. you were talking about it. And people <laughs> and they think see your bank account. People, people think it's a joke. Guys, like, I know somebody that is under, that is actually under investigation from huh. SARS and actually owes the tax man from virtue of the person that he was dating, putting things out on social media. Hectic. People think that social media is not being monitored. Guys, it's being monitored. It is. It, it is. is. And I think people don't realize that you almost play in the same bracket as freelancers. Yes. So even with your return, it's just as high. Yes. So there's really no reason why you shouldn't be paying tax. I mean, if there's so much money coming in that is undisclosed. It's Do you see flames? No, listen. <laughs>